Well, we have entered into a subject in the book of James. If you would open your Bibles to chapter 3, we're going to talk and uh, bring up some very valuable information in my, my desire here is that, uh, Lord, I can speak in the hearing of the young ones that are here. Not that the mature, the father, the mother, and the grandparents, the husband and the wife, and that we don't need to guard what comes out of our mouth, that not being the case. But my desire is that the young people here would have a sense that there is nothing that will ever control what you may call success in your life, nor will it affect those you are around you, those that you love, and those maybe that you don't even know yet. But the power of your words and what you say is a key element to your success in life. And there is much wisdom um, spoken in the Bible, just about speech and words, anger and evil, what comes off of our tongue. And that's what James is referring here. In this uh, part of this book, chapter uh, 3, verses 1 through 12, is about the tongue. And we talk about taming the tongue. And I believe James instructs us because of the purity of his heart and the love given him by the Spirit of God. His warning to teachers is of highest importance. Let not many of you become teachers, my brothers, for you know that teachers will incur a stricter judgment. Now, the Greek word used here for stricter is a word called krima, meaning a sentence of punishment as certain as a certain consequence of wrong teaching, of wrong teaching. So I think it's very important that we say also, but it's written also in, in the books from the letters from Paul, as he wrote to Titus and he wrote to Timothy, and the instructions from Jesus Christ to his disciples came with very serious warnings about the words that we use and how we use them. I've written out three points here. Attitude. What is the attitude we have when we are going to speak? What is the purpose of our engaging in the conversation? And what's the effect going to be of the words we use? Now you might say, well, geez, people don't like you to... Uh, 
don't like you to stop and think about what you're saying because when you're going to have a conversation, especially here, I find this more in America than I have at other times in other countries I've traveled in, we like to be shoot straight from the hip. We like to be there just as soon as that question's asked, bang, we want to be the first one out with the answer. And I'm guilty of that. I, 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 uh, I must say, forgive any of you that, forgive me that I've offended you by maybe completing your sentences or not hearing with intent, which we talked about a few weeks ago, being active in our listening to understand what the conversation was about. Now, in this last bit I will say about this warning that James gives for teachers, the word says that teachers must repent, present themselves as God's approved workmen. Now, where does that come from? Yes, that's a, a program that we have been dedicated to in this church. And there are at least a hundred scriptures written with respect to teaching in God's word. So if you ever want to do a study of some great value to understanding what God writes for us and what he is trying to teach us, go in there and do a little word study in your online program or Bible Gateway or whatever it is, whatever program you have to use. Now, along with those instructions, he also cautions that you should share all good things. If you learn something, if you have learned something from the teaching, don't be shy. Go up and tell your teacher, thank you. I, I've thought about that, and, and I'm going to do that. But, but give them thanks. Give them the blessing back. It is a lot of work to sit down and to try to take a subject that you think is going to be small and easily gathered together and uh, 45 or 50 or 60 hours later, you're still banging it out because there's so much that God teaches us about all things. We have a very powerful mind here that is quite capable of, of doing so many things, but we have this yin and yang, you might call it, or this good and evil that we have to obtain a balance through. Because evil is present. But good is present also, so we have to make a choice. And I'll go no further with that because you could talk on that one verse for a long time. A quote I read the other day said, words are free, but uh, how you use them may cost you much. So to our three points... Attitude, yes, what is my attitude like as I'm going to say something? Words are but pictures of our thoughts. And one word can change someone's entire day. It can lift them out of a hole and lift them out of grief and anxiety or it can crush them. I'm sure you've probably had that experience at some point in your life. And Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, 
And those that love the power of the tongue will eat of its fruit. Point two, our purpose. Why am I going to interject in this conversation? Do I have a valid point to make? may seem silly to think one should take a moment and determine or actually think about what they're going to say. Is my speaking going to build up or encourage or empower? Is it going to curse or injure or tear down or discredit? And again, Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. There is not a bone in your tongue, but its power can crush a person. So point three, the effect, what we speak, will it bring joy or anger? Cause someone to like me or cause someone to hate me? It can bring instruction, it can bring charity. It can bring understanding. Our words can cause wars and chaos. There's some good reading there, too, if you would like to maybe do some research and find out what has actually caused some of the wars that have killed literally tens of thousands of people. King David. He stopped the giant Goliath with one little pebble, did he not? I think we had some instruction on that recently. One little stone. We sing a song about Satan gets stopped and stifled and sent away by one word. Jesus Christ. And 1 Peter 3.10 says, He who would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and deceitful words. Psalm 34, Do you want long, a long life and a good life? Then watch your words and keep your lips from lying. Now we all stumble, which is a part that In chapter 3, verse 2, it says, We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. Anybody know that man? Well, certainly you do. He's who we pray. He's who we praise. He's who created all things. He's the only one, though, right? <laughs> So we all stumble and we all trip over our tongue. I think that's probably been the most embarrassing thing I've ever done was open my mouth to speak and then I'm looking at the face of the person I'm speaking at and there's these strange things going on with their eyes and their mouth and I'm, I'm thinking, did I say something other than what I intended? Quite possibly so. I know I'm not the only person that's happened to. So as earthly men, we had better learn to check our attitude when we speak. 
And I don't think it's the as the example of maybe going out and checking the air in your tires. You know what your attitude is. You know the moment that you're out somewhere and you're going to meet somebody where your attitude's at maybe and you're traveling there. Maybe you didn't sleep so well, so maybe your attitude is not doing so good. Another reminder here that stands out, Mike read it earlier in Matthew 12, 36, and I'm paraphrasing here, we will have to give an account. Yes, that's us believers, Christians. We will give an account to God for every careless word that we've said. There is a day of judgment. And James uses a metaphor here about bridling the tongue. How many horse people do we have here? Many of you familiar with a horse? Have you ever seen a halter and a bridle? Now there's this little gadget that hangs down the part that they slip into the horse's mouth. There are several types of them, including hackamores and, and chains and tongue bars. Well, that little gadget right there can take a 1,200-pound horse and make him in total control by an experienced rider because that thing hurts. And if an uh, inexperienced rider gets on a horse, they don't understand that the, the reins are to be relaxed. You're not to put pressure on that bit because that bit, bit does bring pain and does tell that horse that he's doing something wrong. And if you're not paying attention, he knows whether you have experience in riding him or not. You might find yourself someplace other than on the back of the horse. <laughs> but there's a reason why we can put a 200-pound man on the back of a 1,000-pound horse and do great things. Go places, travel, do work, and that stuff is because he is bridled. And that's the same scenario that God is placing before us that we need to think about what we are going to do in the word and using our words, the purpose of what we're going to say, and the effect it is going to have on someone. And children, youngsters, the sooner you work that into your way of thinking and communicating, the better off you will be. I will admit just for the sake of learning here that I did not grow up or uh, spent most of my life by the time I was 10 years old. My family, as I had started out with, was gone. There was, it was just down to me and my father. And my father was a truck driver. I spent days with other people and once in a while at home. I never grew up with a mother, so there was a lot of teaching I missed. And I grew up thinking my own devices were fine and normal, and I was a nice guy. But there was some wisdom that I missed, and not specifically because I didn't go to church, but because it was never taught to me. So when you're a teacher, when, you're a teacher, when your parents, when your family are instructing these things to you, it is so important for you to listen and try to understand as best you can. Communicate with your parents. Talk to them. 
And the effect of the tongue is so dramatic, the effect of our language, our words, and how we speak, he compares it here to great things, a ship, a thousand foot oil tanker that's bringing freight across the great ocean has a rudder that steers it where it should go, and that rudder is less than one-fiftieth of a percent of the weight of that vessel. It's very small compared to this giant ship, but it has the power for it to turn the right direction or if the pilot's not paying attention to turn the wrong direction. So that comparison is there to show you that this little part we have in here, this little appendage that we have that allows us to speak language is very powerful. Small part of the body, yet it brags and it boasts and it can start fires. And those fires in terms of hatred and disagreement and anger and vileness. And maybe Kier compares it again, and we know that around here, what a small little spark it takes to set an entire forest or half of a county on fire. Boom, just like that. Now, the purpose of speaking is powerful. That's why I've said before, we need to be cautious. We need to be aware of what we're going to say, especially if we're entering in on something that is maybe already volatile. You need to think. And it is okay to take a couple of seconds and get your thoughts together before you do engage someone. I will tell you, I don't know for sure that that's the... I don't know that that's the way the modus operandi of most people. Most people, it seems, are more interested in hearing what they have to say than talking about what they've heard because they haven't been listening. The tongue, it can be a world of iniquity, a pollutant and a poison. And Jesus taught when he was explaining to his disciples in Mark 7, verses 14 to 23. And he was being very curt about this. Now listen. Pay attention. Are you so dull? And he talked to those people that were with him to get them to understand that the law of Moses wasn't talking about the defilement of things outside of the body. God came and cleared us to eat all that we wanted. Now we can enjoy just about anything we want. Although, in his teaching and setting a party, people for himself, God was very restrictive because God is perfect. He has no sin. He cannot abide with sin. But 
the content of our character, the vileness, maybe the pollution, the corruption of our body is not taken in by food. It does not go in the throat and down, and that causes us to be defiled. He says it's what comes out of our mouth. What we speak, what we say, blasphemies, lies, treachery. Those are the things that corrupt us. Now, it's another strange comparison that is said here in verse 7. It says, all kinds of animals, birds, and reptiles, and creatures of the sea have been tamed and are being tamed by man, but no man can tame the tongue. I'll give you a couple of references. You might want to read about this in Psalm 40, verse 3, and in Romans 3.13. It's a good explanation on what James is presenting here. And James gives us some very good food for thought in verses 9 through 12. How is it that the same mouth that speaks love and blessing to one person can then turn around and curse his brother or his sister? who is made in God's likeness. Now, maybe for a person who does not believe in the word of God, that may be no big issue. But for you and I, that is alike, that is next to murder. You have the power of life and you have the power of death in your tongue. Great care and great caution. Learn to exercise that. Are we consistent in our speech? Do we change from sweet to sour, from fresh to bitter? This isn't right, brothers. These are things that are not to be done. We should be consistent in how we speak and how we think and guard our tongue. Just how often do we change our attitude and our purpose when we speak? Do we even care or do we see the effect of words that we have used? Simply put, our tongue holds massive colossal power to affect us. It can affect our relationship with others and it will most assuredly affect your future. Good and evil, life and death, love and hate. Which outcome will you choose? Albert Einstein said, try not to become a man of success, but rather become a person of value. And a surefire way to do that is learn to control your tongue. I, uh, I hope that there has been some value in what 
have to say this morning. You know, it's amazingly such a wonderful book because James is so basic and so simple and he doesn't mince a lot of words and opportunity here, but it is so powerful. And for us human beings, it's, it's something that needs to be a focus on our walk through, through life. So as we all can, you children, learn the lessons and learn them while you're young. Much better that way. Okay, we've got uh, communion and we've got a potluck happening. So I wisely kept it short and sweet today. So I guess we're going to prepare for communion. Mm -hmm.